Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everybody and welcome to this second tier podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Mike Ashley to the majority of other major business owners in this tricky time. It's Justin Peach. Good afternoon. How's it going? Uh, As well as it could be. Um, Bored. uh, Bored and just bored. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty much the same. We are recording this episode in separate locations for the first time ever. Not like some other podcasts who constantly record their episodes on skype all the time not wanting to just rip on them but shame on you if you are one of those podcasts so you're you're telling me that we didn't have to see each other face to face for the last seven or eight months no but for the listeners we do it because we pride ourselves on quality and not sounding like a dalek in every single episode i mean but i didn't have to see you face to face for the last seven or eight months so you didn't, but when I've when you've got a face like mine, Justin, some people pay to see that, and some you're people... lucky enough to see it on a weekly basis. I mean, there are swings and roundabouts to these things. There are, and this is one hell of a swing, Justin. It has been an, a very quiet week, obviously, in the world of championship <laughs> football because uh, there's, as usual, not much going on uh, mm-hmm. because there is no football. There's very little news. We still don't know what's going to happen with the remainder of the championship season. There's still bits here and there, but we'll try and give you a bit of a a fill-in, really, of what's been happening recently and um, give you a few more thoughts on what is going to happen. And then we'll go into a few other little bits, a few little, little light bits to give you a bit of that kick of nostalgia of when football was actually a thing. Uh, so we'll start <laughs> off quickly with uh, the coronavirus. Of course, it's still in full flow and we are now in isolation. We're in lockdown. We're not allowed to see each other anymore. No. No. no, sad times. It really is sad. sad. It is sad. I, I need a cuddle off you. I mean, I'm still going to have that two-meter rule even after this thing blows over. <laughs> uh, well, well, we'll touch on it quickly. Uh, Mark Warburton and Michael Dawson are two of the latest people to both say the season needs to be finished. We were saying that just last week, uh, that the season needs to be finished. Uh, Stoke goalkeeper Jack Butland says he is trying to treat the current period of social distancing as his summer because he expects the rearranged football calendars to eat into player holidays. Um, This is quite interesting, Justin, because it seems like there are two things that have gathered pace in this past week in terms of possible outcomes Mm -hmm. of what happens with the remainder of the championship season. One is that this counts as the summer break. 
So when the football does return and yeah. we play out the remainder of this season, if that does happen, then we kind of just go straight <clears> into <throat> the next season afterwards, which will be weird. But what is that a, 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 a possible outcome that you're a fan of? I mean, football back to back, yeah, that that's ideal. But I think there sh- there should, if that if that does happen, um, there should at least be a few weeks break, just because going from one season to another is just a bit weird. Uh, all for the sake of having next season uninterrupted. You know, we we there's there's still so much unknown um, about the, the the virus and the effects it's going to have on sport. Um, but everything, everything else got, has got to come first um, before football and sport in general. So, whether or not we see anything happening in the next few weeks in terms of um, updates or um, a solid plan, um, it remains to be seen. Yeah, one interesting aspect of it is if that were to happen, then there'd surely have to be some sort of break. Uh, because, for example, if, say, Leeds got promoted and mm-hmm. they went into the Premier League, okay. then they wouldn't have what other clubs have had in the past, which is a full summer or a transfer window to plan towards that well, next season. Exactly. It's so a championship side going into the Premier League as a championship side rather than a championship side building to, to become a Premier League side. Yeah. I mean, I'd back Leeds, West Brom probably to do a decent job and stay up, but they'd still be at a disadvantage compared to past <clears throat> sides that have been promoted to the Premier League, wouldn't they? Exactly. They'd, they'd be doing it with their hands tied behind the back, um, which is unfair. Um, yeah. So immediately you're going into that next season, as you say, at a disadvantage and it isn't fair. So that, for me, should immediately rule out that suggestion. Well, the other outcome that has gained a bit of pace this week and it's not one that many people seem to be a fan of including myself um is it well it comes after most of the non-league games yeah. were voided this week which gave a bit of uh credence to the idea that this season might just be completely void as well is do you think that's looking more likely after <clears throat> what's happened with the non-league fixtures it really does depend. Like I know there's been a fair few saying that the season must end. The season must end, and correct. But how does it end? Does it end with the season being voided? Does it end with the season carrying on behind closed doors? Does it end with the season going back to normal in May, June, July? It, who knows? Honestly, who knows? But I just say with with every other season below the National League being voided, every other sorry. Division being voided, there will there will I I imagine there would be a growing, uh, not interest but conversation around the other leagues being voided as well. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting, very interesting to see what happens there. Uh, what is happening here and now though? Uh, Birmingham have become the first Championship club to ask their players to take wage deferrals because of the coronavirus. Uh, squad members earning more than £6,000 a week have been asked to take a 50% cut in their salary for the next four months, 
Meanwhile, Leeds have done a similar thing. The players, coaching staff and senior management team have volunteered to take a wage deferral for the foreseeable future. Uh, The move will allow all 272 full-time non-football employees, as well as the majority of casual staff, to continue to be paid. Now, they're... As far as I'm aware, the only two clubs who have announced that so far, it wouldn't surprise me if other clubs have already done it and just haven't gone public with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Or whether other similar kind of uh, financial packages have kind of taken place already, if you see what I mean. Um, So that's what's happening with clubs at the moment. Uh, Mm -hmm. In a bit more cheerful news on the coronavirus, Forest owner Evangelos Maranakis has now recovered from uh, coronavirus after he was diagnosed with it a couple of weeks ago. So a bit of good news. That's all we'll talk about on the coronavirus because I can see how impatient you are about it already. Um, (laughs) And (laughs) let's be honest, we will do well to get away from it for the next God knows how long, won't we? Uh, In other news... In the championship this week, Stoke have fined James McLean two weeks' wages over what the club has described as an inappropriate social media post. He's also agreed to delete his Instagram account following the post, which provoked online criticism. He posted a picture of him sitting in front of his two kids as they look at it, look up at him, his face covered by a balaclava, with the caption, Today's school lesson, history. Yeah. Um... Have you seen it? I have seen it and it's disappointing because of how much support has, has, has gone his way in terms of um, the, the, the discriminatory, discriminatory abuse that he faces. Um, but to come out with that um, almost puts that sort of work behind the scenes um, to waste. Um, very disappointing. Very disappointing indeed. According to The Telegraph, Derby are in advanced talks with American billionaire Michael Dell over a major financial injection. He owns a private investment firm. Uh, Mel Morris has been seeking additional funding for the club for over two years. Uh, I presume you're quite excited about this, Justin. Well, obviously, yeah, definitely, because, you know, rich owners, it's it's always a good thing. It's a a consortium that has links to Michael Dell, I think. (coughs) Rather than it being of, rather than it being Michael Dell, um, that's from what I understand. Um, but it, it is good news, and it's it's non-virus related news. So just to have a story that isn't related to it is is music to my ears. Absolutely. And finally, former Huddersfield owner Dean Hoyle must be repaid loans of £35 million made to the club by August 2022. He sold his stake in the club last year after recovering from a serious pancreatic condition. Seems like. Huddersfield just keep getting bad news really don't they Um, lovely so that rounds up the championship news that has happened over the past week Uh, let's go into a bit of nostalgia sorry Justin because that's all we have to live off at the very moment (laughs) Uh, yes exactly Uh, we're going to do squad goals again it seems like a few of you enjoyed that from the last week where we talk about a good squad from the championship over the past 10, 15 seasons. And then we also go to into a bad one as well. Uh, We'll talk about that in a sec. First off, we're going to do a new feature, which is called Elevens. We've got, we've got uh, features growing out of our ears. Oh, so many features. We keep coming up with ideas because, well, we need to really, don't we? Uh, so this one this <laughs> week, it, basically the idea behind this feature is we're going to have 
uh, we're going to go through our selected 11s on a certain topic. So, for example, it might be uh, players over 30 in the championship and we go through uh, position by position the best players over the age of 30 in each position. So we've started off this week, not with players over 30. We've gone with one season wonders, which was tricky. I've got to admit. (laughs) It was really I mean, you picked it. I know. (laughs) Sorry, I just pulled my headphones off my head. You picked it. And I I was expecting you to um, have this pretty much sorted already, but I really struggled with a a few positions. Um, Sorry, I was going to say, I'm not going to lie, but... I spent about four or five hours this week collectively <laughs> looking through seasons and teams just to try and pick some. Um, yeah. I don't know about you as well. How hard was it finding fullbacks? I did all right with fullbacks. Well, I, I kind of, kind of. Um, I struggled with defenders um, and goalkeepers, but the, well, the rest of the mean. side was pretty easy. <laughs> How do you judge a one-season wonder, uh, not based on goals? Well, well, you'll you'll hear that in a sec, Justin. You'll yeah. hear my team in a sec. Uh, so, in goal, I didn't actually put anyone down because goalkeepers, I just wasn't sure how you measured that at all. But the one player I was going to put down was Scott Loach uh, for now, Watford. He crossed my mind. He crossed so, my mind. The reason is because Scott Loach, when he was at Watford all those seasons ago, was mm-hmm. he was viewed as the next big thing in goal, really, because yeah, yeah. he was just a young lad at the time. He was playing for England under-21s. And he was the number one as well, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He was the... He looked like he was going to be the next Peter Shilton or something like that. I don't know. Um, yeah. And everyone was very excited about him at the time. And then he has ultimately fallen down the leagues. I don't actually know mm-hmm. where he is now. I'm just going to search quickly. He's but... in non-league, I think. Yeah, he's not doing too well. He plays for Barnet at the moment, and he's only That's 31 right. still, yeah, which shows you Christ. just uh, that really these should be the peak years of his career, but now he's playing at non-league level. Um, mm. But that's who I was going to go with in goal. Not my most solid pick, I've got to say, because I couldn't find many goalkeepers. But who did you go with? Now, I didn't. I felt I picked. I picked out a few goalkeepers, but the one that I've picked out is Alex McCarthy. I think that's harsh considering he's playing in the Premier League at the moment. Yeah, but he's he's had a bit of a weird career. He's obviously a very good goalkeeper, um, but he's not been a first team goalkeeper since his days at Reading. So the last time he played over um, thirty games was in twenty thirteen twenty fourteen when he played when he played forty four games for Reading uh, in a team that narrowly missed out on the playoffs. Then he went on to QPR and didn't. I think he played twice that season, and then he became a backup keeper for Palace behind Wayne Hennessy yeah. who is not exceptionally good and now he's in and out of the Southampton side competing with Angus Gunn so he's not an out and out number one and he's not I wouldn't say he's a, a, a guaranteed first choice but he is a good goalkeeper but he's not really played a consistent season um, for six, six, six seasons now okay I'm not sure I'd agree that he's a one-season wonder, but I'll take your word for it, um, and we'll we'll just move on, shall we? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go to well, I, I'd say right back, but I kind of cheated and I've gone with three at the back, and I've gone five I've gone midfielders. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone three, and, four, three. 
well, I've gone three at the back and two of those are full backs. And then I've only picked one centre back. Um, so my back three, should we do back three just um, and then go through each one? Yeah. Okay, so um, my back three is Carlos Edwards, Dean Leacock, oh, and okay, Stephen yeah. Craney. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, Carlos Edwards, I'm kind of cheating with because he was the the season I'm basing this off is when he was a right winger at Sunderland in the 2006 2007 season. Yeah. So he got into the PFA Team of the Year that season, despite mm-hmm. only making 15 appearances, which shows you just how good he was in those 15 appearances because he was absolutely sensational. For hmm. that Sunderland side that yeah. stormed the league with uh, Roy Keane in charge, so that's why I've gone with him. And then since then, he's not really done anything. He was at Ipswich for a number of seasons, Millwall as well, but didn't really pull up any trees at either of them. And then when when he yeah. got into the Premier League uh, after that Sunderland promotion season, he didn't make too many appearances either. No, no. So that paid on to it was like thirty seven, didn't he? He was quite yeah. when he retired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he was a spring chicken, I'll give him that. But he, uh, he definitely dropped into the non-league uh, yeah. kind of side of the game and uh, never really lived up to that those 15 games in that Sunderland season. But he was very good. Uh, Dean Leacock's a very interesting one because you'll remember him as part of the mm-hmm. uh, 2006-2007 Derby side that got yeah. uh, promoted via the playoffs. So he played alongside Darren Moore and built up quite a nice partnership at centre-back. But after that, he kind of just fizzled out as well. I don't... I tried to do some research to find out where he's actually playing now. Wikipedia says it's Lower Soft Town, but I'm not sure that's actually the case. He's only 35, which I say only 35, but I, I thought he'd still be... Considering at the time he was quite a young player in that 2006 uh, Derby side you'd have thought he'd still be doing all right but he went on to play for Leighton Orient after Derby then Notts County Crawley Whitehawk you see he's he's moving further and further down the ladder and then the other player went with with Stephen Craney so he did all right for Blackpool in the season they got promoted I say he did all right he pretty much played every game uh, but the season I'm basing it on is the 2011-2012 season, which is the season after they got promoted, because he got 11, 11 assists from left-back, which that. is unbe- yeah. that's a pretty impressive return, it's got to mm-hmm. be said. Stephen Craney has been a very solid left-back throughout pretty much his whole career, but that was his standout season, really. And I, I've always had a bit of a soft spot for Stephen Craney. Uh, many from my football manager days. Yeah, he was a good sign-on football manager. He was. He was handy, very handy. Uh, and that was pretty much his best individual season, especially in, in terms of going forwards. Uh, so who have you gone for as your back three, Justin? Now, I've got three centre-halves, and I, I think because of the Alex McCarthy thing, you might disagree with one of them. Okay. However, I'll go through them. So one of the centre-backs, centre I've gone with Ian Everts. Okay, I like that. Uh, the other centre back is Jos Hoyveld. Okay. From Southampton. Yes. And the final centre half, and probably the the most debatable one, is Sol Bamba. What? Yeah. Now I'll get on to Sol Bamba because I've got a f- relatively detailed explanation for it. I'll start with Ian Everett. 
and I'm basing it on the promotion Blackpool's promotion season. Um, he he was immense for for Blackpool that season, and he was described by newspaper outlets as a Rolls Royce defender, um, and and he was good for them. Um, but within two years of their Premier League season, he was playing for Chesterfield in League Two, so he dropped down the league, the leagues. But he did make some uh, a considerable amount of appearances. For, he got promoted um, with them, didn't he? Chesterfield. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. yeah they went up to League One, but he never returned to the Championship. And I think the two seasons that he played in the Championship for Blackpool. Um, so the season before and after the Premier League were probably these two best seasons in the Championship, but he never really eclipsed the same form as he did when they went up. I mean, he um, was 32 by that point, though. Well, exactly. You know, as I say, he, he's had his he's had his peak years before that, and he, he never really hit the heights that he did in that season. So, okay, I can see where you're coming from. Yeah, um, Jos Hoyveld. This this guy was a monster. Six <laughs> foot four. Arrived from Celtic, uh, originally on loan, um, and he was essential to, to Southampton getting promoted in the 11-12 season. Because that, that, that team was scary and probably one of the best to have played in the Championship, in my opinion. You know, with Ricky Lambert up front, they had been oh, sharp yeah. as well. Um, but he scored seven goals from centre-back. <laughs> um, and then after that, um, he only made... in the He left in 2015 and he played uh, about 38 games... Um, in that promotion season, but he only made another 12 appearances following that. He had load spells at Millwall um, and another side, I can't quite remember. Norwich. But, yeah, Norwich, that's the one. Um, but never really eclipsed that form um, that he did in that promotion season. But I didn't realise he's been away. He left Southampton five years ago. It, I thought he might still be there just as like a backup <laughs> centre-back. I didn't realise about... The guy will be about 38 by now, I'm sure. He's 36. Um, I, I thought he was still kind of just hanging around. I didn't realise he'd been gone for so long. Um, to be honest with you, Ryan, and this might sound harsh, he was absolutely useless in the Premier League. <laughs> um, a bit like Vestergaard now for them. He, he was just, he's just too big and slow for it. Um, but, but that promotion season, he was unreal. Absolutely unreal. Um, now, Sol Bamba. Yeah, I'm not sure about this one. I, I love Sol Bamba. But before that season with Cardiff, he was a journeyman. He okay. didn't really settle anywhere. He had a couple of seasons at Leicester, Leeds, Trabonspor, obviously came from Hibs. Um <clears throat> and then, you know, Neil Warnock brought him in and you know, he was absolutely immense in that PFA team of the season, which is what I sorry, he won he was nominated not nominated, he was voted into the PFA team of the season in the season that they got promoted. And he was absolutely unreal, as I say. Um that for me he he will never get back to that level. Um, the Premier League, he was okay, but he got injured, and now he's not played as often this season because he's obviously recovering from injury. And at the age that he's, re- you know, serious knee injury at his age, it's very hard to come back from. Um, that is ultimately why I've included him because he's never he's never got to that level that he did in that promotion season for Cardiff anywhere else. I, I can see what you mean, but I wouldn't really say he's a one-season wonder. One season wonder implies that he's only had one good season, and that's just not true. Well, of course it is because he's had. Well, my definition of one season one season wonder is having an absolutely amazing season and being fairly average for the rest. You know, they've had one season where they've been. He was a very good defender at Leeds in his final season there. Yeah, but what, what, 
he, he left on a free, went elsewhere. You know, it's, for me, he's, as I say, that that to 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 not well to not be a one season wonder, you've got to be better than average, haven't you? But I, he's I, he's only managed one season where he's been absolutely unreal. I disagree. I, I mean, I think he's he's had a, a good few seasons at Cardiff. Uh, now and then he was good at Leeds as well, so I'm not I'm not sure I agree with that one. But let's move on. Uh, in midfield, I've gone five in midfield, as I say, because I really I was absolutely fine with picking midfielders. We'll go with my <laughs> centre midfielders first. I've gone George Thorne, mm-hmm. Graham Dorans, ooh, and Brian Howard. Oh mate! <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, what's your formation again? Uh, three four three. Three, four, three. Okay, what's your midfield four? Um, Graham Dorans. Yeah. <laughs> Brian Howard. Oh my God. Yeah. Alex Pritchard. See, I nearly put him in. I did think about him. And Adol Trapped. Yeah, yeah. I tell you what, that might raise a few eyebrows, but I, I think Adol Trapped probably is the biggest case of a one-season wonder. And I didn't put him in. Unreal. But, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm surprised I didn't put him in, actually. But yeah, that does make perfect sense. Uh, we'll go through the ones we agreed on, first of all. Dorans, mm-hmm. 19 assists for West Brom in 2009-2010. Nobody has managed to get more assists in a single season since <laughs> then. He was absolutely unbelievable for it West Brom scary. in that season. Oh, yeah. Scary. He was the standout player in that West Brom side, and that was a very yeah. good West Brom side. Uh, and when I say standout no, player, I mean by far the standout player as well. Yeah. And then he just hasn't lived up to it ever since. No, he had um, he had a spell for Norwich where he looked like he was getting up to that level, but I think he <coughs> curtailed a little bit with with injuries. Um, and as I say, he never really got to that got to level again. Um, but as you say, yeah, absolutely ridiculous. You know, he played he played a fair bit in the Premier League after that as well. Um, mm. But he, as I say, he never matched that season in terms of goals, assists, and quality overall. Yeah, thirteen um, goals as well. I forgot to mention. Uh, yeah, that's one hell of a return for a player. Stupidly, and good. the fact Stupidly that good. I'm, I'm looking at his figures now for the rest of his career, his next highest in a season was six. Mm-hmm. And then he got five for Rangers one season, and then you're talking threes for the rest of his, rest of his career, which is it's quite sad, really. I mean, he's playing for Dundee now in the Scottish Championship. I think I think he had a good career, but that season at West Brom, he blew everything out of out of the water. One hell was, of a free was... kick on him as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, let's talk Brian Howard. He is quite a note notable one because he mm-hmm. had I presume you talk about the season at Barnsley. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um he he had that unbelievable season where he got in the PFA team of the year and then mm-hmm. he was being linked with loads of Premier League clubs, Villa, Everton, Sheffield United, Middlesbrough. Mm-hmm. He did eventually end up going to Sheffield United and then since he made that move his career it hasn't really just stalled. It's kind of just crashed into a lamppost, really, aren't it? Yeah, at that point as well, you know, that season he'd have been 25, so his best years were ahead of him. Um, and as you say, you know, he scored 13 goals that season in a team that finished lower mid-table. So for a player to be voted into the PFA Team of the Year that finished lower mid-table is yeah. astonishing, really. And he, and he, 
one of the, the main things of that season as well. He was a star in their run to the FA Cup semi final. Yeah, he was scoring the ninety third minute winner against Liverpool at Anfield. Uh, yep, yep, exactly. Um, and he was good. I think he moved on to Reading before he went to Sheffield United because he joined Brendan Rodgers, the Brendan Rodgers revolution at Reading. No, no, that went sour after Sheffield United and then Reading, and then yeah. uh, um, then he had spells at uh, after that CSKA Sofia, yeah. uh, Oxford Eastleigh. Alsford Town, Romsey Town, Whitehawk. It, not a glittering CV, and it, it it really went downhill for him after moving away from Barnsley. Really, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's, it is a shame because, as I say, he had his best years ahead of him at that point. He never really, never really got, yeah, never really eclipsed that. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know why it did go downhill for him. Really, mm. um, I know he had quite a bad injury when he was at Reading. Um, yeah. he, I think he had to have um, metal plates put into his jaw after a head injury. Um, mm. But yeah, quite sa- again, he, similar to Dominic, <clears throat> it's quite sad to see how his career went downhill after having that one season. My other player was George Thorne. You'll know him fully well for his time at Derby. Yeah. He yeah. was a star in that, was it 2013-2014 season where they got to yeah, the so playoff yeah, final. Yeah, yeah. He was sensational. He was only a young lad at the time, but he was playing as a holding midfielder, pinging passes side to side, and then he suffered an ACL injury mm-hmm. um, after moving to Derby permanently the following season. <coughs> Excuse me. And it ultimately started what would be a series of injuries, and now he's playing for mm-hmm. Oxford for free because he's having so many problems with injuries. Um so quite sad what's happened to his career. I mean, he's still, I think he's still in his 20s, so he's got time to turn it around oh, yeah. kind of and establish himself as a regular footballer again. But whether he ever shakes off those injury problems, who really knows? Mm-hmm. It, is, it is disappointing to see how his career has gone <laughs> because it is based purely on injuries, as you say. You know, he was unlucky because he, he joined Derby permanently that summer. Um, tore his ACL against Senate St. Petersburg in a pre-season friendly. Um, and then after that, I think a lot of Derby's hopes were pinned on George Thorne and then we, we never replaced him. I remember having a conversation with you at the time and you, you reckoned on his ability he could have played for England. And it is hard to it's hard to see... Obviously, it's hard to see that now, but the player he was, his, mm. his ability, his passing ability... Um, his defensive cover, yeah, it, it was, it was really, it was, yeah, it was, it was quality. Uh, yeah, it is a shame. Yeah, I, I, I stand by that. I, at the time, if he hadn't had those injuries, I think he could have played for England. And it's that's been one of those positions that England have really struggled with over mm-hmm. the past few years, and are still struggling with now. Is a consistent holding midfielder who can <clears> play <throat> the ball. Um, and that's why we keep asking for Calvin Phillips to be put in the England squad. Uh, who were your? Who was your other midfielders? Adel Tarapt and Alex Pritchard. Adel Tarapt, I don't think we need to spend time on. I think we spoke yeah. about him plenty of times. Uh, mm-hmm. The the only thing we would say is that anyone who denies that he managed to carry on that success from that one season he had in the championship is lying to themselves aren't they because oh, and he, he's oh, doing yeah. quite well now in fairness to him at Benfica where he is managed to become a box-to-box midfielder bizarrely but in that <laughs> one season that he had in the championship with QPR he was electric probably one of the best 
probably the best individual season a player's had in the Championship. I mean, Graham Dolan's on... Whittingham are both up there, aren't they? But uh, Terraps himself, yeah. In terms of style as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, then your other one? Alex Pritchard, yes. Alex Pritchard, yeah. Um, I've got a lot of sympathy for Pritchard because after his one season, you know, we expected massive things from him. Because that season at Brentford, you know, he scored 12 goals. He was a winger, he was quick, he was. He looked very sharp and his set pieces were were, were crisp. Um but since that season, so over the last five years, he's only scored nine goals. Um, and, you know, that's that's two moves and about £18 million worth of fees later. And he's just, he's got nowhere near near those heights again. It is a massive shame. Yeah. You forget that he's at Huddersfield, really, yeah. because I, he's yeah, hardly yeah, yeah. played this season. <clears throat> and when you compare him to that season at Brentford, when yeah. big things were being touted of him because he was still on the books at Spurs at the time mm-hmm. and loads of clubs were chasing his signature to try and get him on loan again. Yeah. Uh, it just never really worked out. He moved to Norwich permanently and then Huddersfield afterwards and mm-hmm. he's never, as you say, met those heights really, has he? Um, in my tactically terrible <laughs> 3-5-2, I've gone for two wingers. Um, the first winger is Jason Kumas. That's hard. Well, you say that. He had... Admittedly, he did have two decent seasons um, other than the season I'm about to mention, but his Championship Player of the Year 2006-2007 season with West Brom was probably one of the best Championship um, one seasons you'll ever see. He was absolutely unbelievable for West Brom in that season, which resulted in him moving to Wigan for £5 million. <laughs> they were in the Premier League at the time, and £5 million yeah. was quite a lot of money for a championship player. That was it, yeah, yeah. He was unbelievable. He was the main figure in that West Brom side at the time, and it's unbelievable that they didn't get promoted, really, because no. <laughs> they had so many yeah. players in that side. Well, I didn't realise the amount of goal scorers they had. They had Kevin Phillips, uh, Nathan Ellington, Diamante Camera. Well, you uh, say Diamante Camera, Justin. He's my other winger. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, 20 goals in that season. And let me just get his figures up. He got 20 goals in that one season with West Brom. His next highest goal tally in a single season was five. <laughs> But he was pivotal in that run uh, for Fulham, where they were looking like they were going to get relegated, and then he then he flipped a switch and he he tore teams apart in that last sort of five or six games for Fulham. Yeah, but they spent a lot of money on him, and he didn't they really did. live they up did. Did. to the hype. I mean, six million pounds, which was a club record for Fulham at the time. He got five mm. goals in the season that he moved to Fulham, but he really struggled to carry on his fantastic form that he uh, showed for West Brom in that Mm -hmm. championship season but an unbelievably quick player really quick lightning quick and deadly left foot as well yeah after that just didn't really work out for him which is again a shame and then let's go to our strikers Justin you've got three who have you got yes Uh, so I've got hang on I think we might have similar players here um, I don't know. I don't think we do. I think we will. Oh, we might do actually. Go on. <laughs> um, so the one that I don't think we've got together is Freddie Eastwood. No, I haven't. Go on. Who are uh, your other two? 
Marek Saganowski. <laughs> I love Marek Saganowski and uh, Ricardo Vazte. I've got Ricardo Vazte. Oh, yeah. My my other player was Nicky Maynard, but we'll talk about okay. him in a sec. Yeah. Um, let's talk Vazte first, since we're both in yes. agreement on that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any disagreement here from anyone because he got 22 goals in the 2011-2012 season for Barnsley and West Ham. Mm. Prior to that, he was a young player who people had high hopes for. Yeah. He never really did it. And then he got yeah. Then he moved to Barnsley, mm-hmm. was ridiculous, moved to West Ham because they were seeing how well he was doing, carried on playing ridiculously well for them, scored in the playoff no. final, sent them to the Premier League. And that, then... That West, that West Ham team... Signed every striker that was in form. They signed Sam Baldock, <laughs> Nicky Maynard, um, but Vaste. There's this other than Michu, who is very he's epitomised one season wonder. Ricardo Vaste is a close second because nothing <laughs> happened. Bef- nothing happened really for him before this no. season, and nothing really happened after this season. Um, as you say, he hit 22 goals that season. Um, and he looked, and he looked an absolute player. He looked unbelievable, and mm. and saying it just didn't work out for him. No, it's when you look at his career record, it's bizarre how it turned out. But prior to that twenty-two goal season, he mm. had scored five goals in his career. Exactly. Where did that come <laughs> from? Where did that season come from? Keep in mind, he played. Just stand it up in my head. He, he nearly played ten seasons prior to that so the fact that it worked out for him and then just yeah. went to nothing really is ridiculous utterly bizarre yeah he, utterly bizarre he, he did alright in Turkey and China afterwards but I mean it's Turkey and China so there you go but Ricardo Vaste I, I'd agree he is the epitome of one season wonder really him and Michu mm-hmm. make a fantastic little uh, strike partnership there those two wouldn't they uh, oh definitely uh, Freddie Eastwood, tell me about him. He's, again, an interesting player. He scored 23 in the season that Southend won promotion from League One into the Championship. And at that point, he was linked with a host of clubs. Um, loads and loads of clubs for... I think one of the clubs were Derby, um, nearly signing for a million pounds. He decided to stay at Southend. And he, he did only score 11 in that team that was relegated, but that's not a bad yield for a team, again, that's relegated. No. Um, first season in the Championship, uh, he's come from non-league, and that earned him a £3 million move to Wolves. And he never picked that form back up again. He never got near it, um, which is again is a shame because he, he, had, he had talent. He was yeah. a good finisher, uh, a good box striker, but just you know moves to Wolves and Coventry... Never never looked the same player. Yeah. I remember him doing relatively well for Coventry, uh, but not anything near his South no. End form. So I, I'd agree with that one. Marek Saganowski? Oh, Marek Saganowski. Another, another Southampton player for me, but from their 2006-2007 um, season. Uh, he joined them in um, January and tore the league up with, with goals. He got 10-13 in, in their run to the playoffs. I do remember alongside, yeah we played alongside Razek so you know two Polish players up front you know it's, it's a strike partnership that two countrymen destroyed the league at the second half of the season obviously they they, they nicked into sixth place in the playoffs that season but from then from that season onwards they, he scored nine in 49 over two seasons before leaving 
um, which is a crying shame. He's got a good record after it, to be honest, in Denmark and um, other countries. But oh, that that ten and thirteen, dangerous, dangerous. He is my go-to random obscure championship player, Marek Saganowski. Yeah just because he's got a marvellous name as well. And then finally, my other player was Nicky Maynard, which mm-hmm. might sound strange initially, but when you actually have a look at his goal record, it shocked me how much of a one-season wonder he actually was. Because he yeah. got 20 goals for Bristol City in the 2009-2010 season. And I always regarded him as a steady championship striker who would grab you a few goals, but his next highest goal tally in a single season was eight. Mm-hmm. Which surprised me because I, I just thought he'd be a bit more handy and <laughs> I, I know he struggled with injuries quite a lot afterwards yeah and he um, had to drop down uh, to uh, league two where I think he I think he might still be playing now but he yeah. he had that one deadly season didn't really manage to follow it up and yeah. that's why I put Nicky Maynard in I think some strikers can get away with it a little bit because if they have one season where they score 20, 25 goals, you, they can almost ride the ride the wave of that a little bit and still be defined as a deadly striker. But when you go through goal records, ultimately that's what strikers get judged on. And unfortunately, as you say, he never, he never picked that up again. But I mean, if he's going to hit double figures, fair enough. But as you say, his nearest goal tally was eight. So, yeah. 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 Let's do squad goals, Justin. Exciting. I can't wait to take, I can't wait to go through mine. Right. So this is the part of the show, the relatively new part of the show, albeit, where me and Justin look back on a couple of our favourite squads from the past seasons in the championship. One's a bad squad, one's a good squad. I've gone with the good squad. It's the mm-hmm. Brentford side from the 2014-2015 season, which Ooh. finished fifth. The reason they stand out is because they only just got promoted the season before. So this was very much a launching pad for so many of these players. And in particular, the manager, which was Mark Warburton, playing mm-hmm. sexy football, put together this side on a, re- a relatively shoestring budget. and Nothing compared to what they are now. Oh, yeah. And when you look at the side on paper, there are some names in this side, Justin. I mean, I'll, I'll just pick out a few. James Tarkovsky playing regularly now for Burnley, playing for England. Moses Adebayo was being tipped for big things at the time before injuries pretty much curtailed his career. The midfield is sensational. Yotta, prime Yotta, Alex Pritchard, prime Alex Pritchard, we just touched on him. Alan Judge, who is one of the most underrated championship midfielders ever because he is... He's been fantastic pretty much wherever he's been. Stuart Dallas. Mm. This is prime Stuart Dallas before he managed to turn himself into a midfield machine. This was when he was a winger. And then Andre Gray up front, top scorer that season, 16 goals, signed for half a million pounds from, at the time, non-league Luton. Quite a big fee, that. You said it was a big fee? Yeah, quite a big fee for a... Um, non-league strike. Oh, right, yeah, I see what you mean now. <laughs> I was going to say half a million pounds. <laughs> but yeah, it, when you look at it, this is a, it, this side just gets me excited. It makes me makes butterflies float around in my stomach. Uh, Harley Dean, Jake Bidwell were both there, both solid championship players now. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Douglas, solid. 
I, I just like this team because they, so many of these players have gone on to bigger and better things and some players, it was the prime of their careers. Yeah, absolutely. One of the players that you've missed off that I really liked that season was, um, I think it was, what's it, uh, Tiamu Diagora. Diagoraga. Diagoraga. I can never say his name. He, he, again, had no right to be as good as he was that season just because of his his, um, his career so far at that point. But he ran the midfield for Brentford. He yeah. was the engine room. And... Um, he he dominated midfields in like individually. Yeah, that that is a good find. That that side. I mean, he is a pretty much a Brentford legend, really, and he had loads mm. of uh, loads of uh, loads of uh, appearances racked up for Brentford over time. But I mean, some of the other players that I didn't even mention there, Jean Terrell made he he had loads of uh, appearances off the bench and was a pretty solid player for them. He's obviously had his injury problems since, but mm-hmm. a good player. Uh, Scott Hogan, he only joined Brentford that season, but barely got a look in because Andre Gray was just so deadly up front that yeah. season. Uh, so that's my side that I just wanted to highlight for everybody that's listening. Who is the crap side that you want <laughs> to the crap, uh, the crap side that you want to shit on? Um, Doncaster Rovers, eleven <laughs> twelve season now. I don't know if you remember them at all. I mean, they got relegated, but that's not why I'm going to talk about them. Um, but just a couple of things to pick up on. They finished bottom that season. Um, they were, they finished 12 points adrift. They lost 26 games. They sacked Sean O'Driscoll, the legend that is Sean O'Driscoll, um, and appointed Dean Saunders. Eyebrow razor. <laughs> uh, they conceded 80 goals that season, which is horrendous. That is absolutely horrendous. Bad. Um, but that's not why I picked them, as I say. Uh, they were poor, but it, it was weird. So they were subject to an experiment. Okay. Can now I'm interested. This? No. Um, so an agent came in, um, sort of as a director of football, and he signed a lot of players who had high-profile careers. So the agent I'm talking about is William Mackay. Oh, God. So some of the names they signed that season were El Hajjouf, See, Pascal Chimbonda. This is starting to ring a bell now. <laughs> Habib Bay, uh, Harita uh, Lilunga, who was at West Ham, and Freddie Pickion. Yeah. They obviously it, signed Giles Barnes. It's all coming um, back to me well. now. <laughs> yeah. So it was an experiment that went badly wrong. Badly, badly wrong. Some of the other players they tried to bring in were Robert Pires. I mean, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Mohamedou Diara, who was unbelievable at Real Madrid um, at, at one point. So... Yeah, just just weird, and obviously they got relegated that season. As as I said, they brought in Giles Bond, um, uh, some of some other well known names as Habib Bamongo, uh, Mamadou Bagayoko. Uh, I'm not making those players up, by the way. They actually played football for Doncaster Rovers um, and more. Um, and in the end, they used 41 players that season. Flipping egg. And inevitably, fla- uh, fans blamed William Mackay for the relegation. He left the club. Uh, and John John Ryan, the chairman, uh, said that the the experiment would not work in his third tier, and Mackay obviously left the club. I now mean, it didn't I work. Did, in the I don't know tier. how it would work in any tier, to be quite honest. Yeah. So the idea of this experiment was to sign these players who had had illustrious careers on short term deals to try and get the name back out there, so they can get higher profile moves. 
Didn't work out for any of them. Al Hatch-Juve went to Leeds, I think. <clears throat> and then I, that was it. I do remember this experiment, now you say it, because the, the likes of Ilunga, Pikion... I remember everyone at the time saying, oh, wow, this is interesting and this might work. Doncaster could be quite a good side this season and it didn't because I, yeah. I think when you sign these it's players on short-term contracts as well, they can't yeah. be asked. They're there and, and the just ar- to get a paycheck, aren't they? The main idea with these short-term contracts was to line them up for better moves. And as I said, none of them went on to better moves. That was it for them. Well, all, Bay was 34 when he signed. I was going to say, they, they must have all been pretty old by that point. I don't know what age yeah. Chimbonda was, but he was he, he was way past his Premier League years, wasn't he? Oh, at that point, yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's, it's, it's got to be pointed out, there were some decent players in this yeah. uh, Doncaster side yes, who weren't were. who weren't there on short term deals. George Friend was there. Uh, mm-hmm. Brian Stock was he he was a good player. He I, was a good player. I loved Brian Stock as a player. He yeah. he, he suffered some bad injuries but he was he, he's one of those players who when I go back to my football manager years he's someone I uh, always uh, used to sign because he was a <laughs> solid, solid player. Uh, but yeah. thank you for reminding me of that Doncaster side, Justin. I really appreciate it. Let's do some polls, shall we? So, at the start of the show, we asked you three questions. The first one was, uh, would you watch a Premier League years but as a championship version? Um, I, one million percent. I don't know why we asked this, to be quite honest, because I think we all knew which way it was going to go. Ninety-three <laughs> percent said yes. Yeah, they do do something like it, but not in nearly as much detail or as quality as the Premier League one. Um, so they should do one stretching right back as well, because it only goes back to like twenty fifteen. Yeah, yeah. I would. I, I'd watch it. I, I considering we haven't got anything else to do at the moment. I'd sit on my sofa and watch it all day. Uh, what's your favourite Championship ground out of these four? I pick two. You pick two. Mm-hmm. Two of your favourites. You went with Griffin Park and the Valley. Uh, the Valley. I went with City Ground and Kenilworth Road. Uh, the winner was City Ground, thirty-six percent. Griffin Park got thirty-three uh, percent. Kenilworth Road got sixteen percent, and Valley got fifteen percent. So not very well like the other two. Uh, and then, how many TV series have you got through so far since going into isolation? Uh, how many have I gone through? I th- I've done one, I think. I've done one as well, actually. I I'll be counting Tiger King in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah. that's the one I watched. It's absolutely nuts. It's bizarre. Yeah, watch it, everybody. Watch it. Just it's crazy. Joe Exotic is one hell of a character. Uh, but the answer to that was 40% said none. So I don't know how they're getting through self-isolation, I've got to say. Yeah, get on it. You're, you're slacking, guys. Yeah. Uh, so that rounds up the polls. Let's do a Craig Bryson pub quiz, Justin. This is the part of the show oh, yeah. where Justin has a mystery footballer for me. He has six clues for who that player is. He is a championship legend who has made over 200 championship appearances and will have played relatively recently. So, Justin, can you give me the first clue, please? I played 278 times, scoring zero goals. I'm going to assume it's a goalkeeper then. It could be, or it could be a terrible striker. A terrible striker, or 
uh, fallback or something like that. Uh, I'm 278 times. Brian Jensen. No. Good shout, The Beast. Always the beast. hear about The Beast. The Beast. I've only played for one team in the Championship. Brian Jensen. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, no, obviously not. Uh, I first joined my team in 2004 and I joined from Dundee. Okay. One championship club. I'm still no, if you would... I'm still assuming Sorry. it's a goalkeeper. Yes, maybe. I don't know. Can you repeat the question? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, next clue, please. I have won promotion once in my time here and was an FA Cup runner-up in 2016. Spironi? Yes. Yes, I was <laughs> going to say. Spironi. <laughs> 2016, I was thinking, hang on a second. It's got to be a Premier League goalkeeper and then as soon as you said just one goalkeeper, uh, one club, then I thought it's got to be Spironi. Did you realise he played for Dundee though? Yeah, he came from Dundee. He didn't make any appearances. Um, I think he made one appearance in Argentina. And then he moved to Dundee. How made... does that happen? Yeah, I don't know. I did. Went to Dundee, um, made some made appearances, and then joined Palace for five hundred thousand, um, and then obviously became a club legend. And still is a club legend. Uh, yeah, Absolutely, and, and a championship legend. It's got to be said. He he won a club record uh, player of the year four times for Palace. That's not bad going, that you know. That, must, that, be, very good that must be a club record pretty much in the whole country because there can't be too many who have managed to do that that many times. It would be worth um, having a look at that. Yeah, it'd be worth having a look at that. But what were the other clues out of interest? Uh, so one of them was uh, I've won player of the year for my, cl- uh, my club, a club record uh, four times and I'm nothing short of a legend. And the yeah. other one was uh, I cost my club £500,000 uh, after being signed by Ian Dowie um, alongside Gabor Kirali uh, and then went on to make 405 appearances in 15 years at the club. Imagine signing Gabor Kirali and Julian Spironi in the same window. Two sure solid goalkeepers. Two solid goalkeepers in the same transfer window. Well done, Ian Dowie. Doesn't get the credit he deserves for finding those goalkeepers. Yeah, rightly so. <laughs> well, this has been the Second Tier Podcast, people. Thank you for listening. Just before we go, uh, if you wouldn't mind supporting us, that would be great. Because, obviously, at this moment in time, we are trying to do this without any football to talk about. So, we're trying to give you content. Um, and, admittedly, it's a, it, it is a tricky time. Because we are merely focusing on the news around the coronavirus. And then trying to give you some good old championship nostalgia. Which we all love a bit of every now and then, don't we? A high dose of it, absolutely. So if you wouldn't mind supporting us by leaving us a review <laughs> on Apple Podcasts, uh, giving us a, a rating as well, and uh, maybe even giving us a little shout-out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or just telling your friends about us, that'd be fantastic, because uh, the, the more you can help us um, during this time, it, it would go a massive way to helping us grow as a podcast. And we appreciate it. And any 11 you want to hear, give us a shout. Yeah. We'll, we'll try and make an 11 out of it. Yeah. Give us a shout of what you want us to talk about during this uh, time because uh, we're all ears at the moment, aren't we, Justin? We, we have to be. There's we always are. Not much else for us to do at the moment. No. This has been the second tier podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks. 
I'm Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. Let's do all right.